Hi, my name is Stephen Luna. I'm the lead pastor of MWC Church. We're so glad you chose to join us for this podcast. My prayer is that it would be a blessing in helping you grow closer to Jesus and help you grow in your faith. Enjoy this week's sermon. Hey, so can we give it, give it up for any Saturday nighters that have joined us this Sunday morning? We've combined our services. Saturday is now joining us on Sunday. And I've been telling Sunday, I've been saying, or I've been telling Saturday, hey, revival is going to happen because Saturday is joining us. Like, I just feel like there's a, a, a just a, a unity this morning. Like, God, God is up to some, some awesome stuff. Um, so, so we are going to, man, I'm, I just feel like I'm super, I'm super dark right now. Like, I'm, I'm hidden. Anyway, I'll just stand right here for you guys. Um, I, just, I just wanted to really just take, take a moment and say, man, God knows what he's doing. I'm excited about Saturday joining us. This is going to be a, a great thing for the church. It just feels like, like the Lord is up to something. Um, we are Zaic Church. So everybody, everybody say Zaic. Yeah, two syllables. Uh, I had one more person come up to me and say Zaic, right? Are you, hey, congratulations, Zaic Church. I'm like, no, oh, Zaic. Ick, it's two syllables, right? Can't you, the, the long A over, or lang, the long dash over the A is a, is a long vowel. So Zayek Church, that's who we are. Uh, and we've said this, we are Zayek Church. We exist to extend belonging to all people, transforming them to become a part of God's mosaic masterpiece. That's what we want to be. That's who God is calling his church to be. A church that is, is made up of people from various backgrounds, different ethnicity groups of of all nations, we know that from the very beginning, from Genesis on, we see that the Lord is passionate about bringing all people into his arms, that he's passionate about reaching every single person. Christianity is not a Western religion. It's not an Eastern religion. Christianity is not for a certain dialect or a certain demographic. Jesus is for everyone. So we believe that from, from the very beginning, we want to brandish that on our hearts. That's the reason for the name change. That's why we've been rebranding, because we believe God wants us to declare to the world that we are a church. We are God's mosaic masterpiece. We are made up of everybody. Like, everyone is called to be changed and transformed into the people God has created them to. You see division, and you see disunity, and you see dissension, which, by the way, if you read Galatians chapter 5, are all things that are called, considered acts of the flesh. The exact opposite of that is a work of the Spirit, and I believe God is supernaturally transforming the name of the church Really, we're just, we're just declaring who we've always been. This isn't something new. We're not saying we aspire to be this. We are that. We're just telling the world, no, letting the world know this is who we've been. This is who we are continuing to become. Amen? So let, I just wanted to let you guys know, um, uh, yeah, so, so tonight we will have our annual business meeting. We will affirm that in our constitution and bylaws, but I just want to start off with this story. In college, a couple of buddies and I, we went, we went backpacking. I grew up in Chicago, didn't have much of an outdoorsy bone in my body, but I'm the kind of person, my wife says that I am a hobbyist. Like, I love hobbies. Like, I'm not the kind of person that I'm just like, I have my things. It's like every single year, I find a new hobby and I throw myself into that. I'm, I'm a jack of all trades, master at none. I just, I get on these like little, maybe call it the ADD in me, but I just like get so focused on, on one thing and then I'll get focused on the other thing. And there was a, a period in my life where I was really big into the outdoors, into backpacking, into hiking. And I was reading books and survival guides. And I was even planning, like, what to do in a post-apocalyptic situation, right? So this coronavirus ain't nothing for me. I got, I got a bug out bag. No, I'm just kidding. I don't. got a bunker out in the middle of El Dorado. I don't. I'm just kidding. That'd be awesome. But if you do, let me know. Hit, hit up your boy if you, if you need a pastor in the post-apocalyptic. So in college, we went on this trip where we spent a couple of days in the outdoors. All of us were city kids. We had no idea what we were doing, but we're like, we're going to do this, right? We're going to, def- we're going to beat the odds. Or we're going to be like, like a Bear Grylls, right? And, and, and the Survivor Man, like we're going to, we're going to beat, we're going to, we're going to do this. We're going to do this. We're going to catch our food and, and survive out here and just like come back and be better men than we, than we, than we left. Like it was an awesome time. So we go out there and um, it's already like getting late. And you know, the first thing I say is like, guys, the first thing we do, we got to build fire, right? Like, like, let's not build a shelter. Let's not catch. We got to build fire because without fire, you can't survive. Like, because I read that somewhere. So we start building a fire. This harder than it looks. Like what they show you on uh, Survivor, it, it's, a, it's, it's really hard to build fire. So, so we're going crazy. We're trying to get this fire going. And, and finally, we get a spark. And everyone's like, oh, yeah, man. If, if you've never built a fire with your own hands, you are missing out. Like there is just something like super like empowering. Like you feel like you can overcome the world, 
right? Like, I've built fire. I've, I, I've dominated this. So you just feel so strong and so great. So we built fire, but, but we did a poor job of getting ready to allow the fire to grow. So we, uh, we started frantically saying, guys, we need to grab whatever we can. Like, like grab, grab leaves, grab tree, like grab branches, grab as much as you can. We got to throw it on this fire. So everybody like splits out of there. They're running. They're grabbing like different plants and different leaves and different sticks. And somebody grabbed rocks. And we're like, what are you doing? He's like, I don't know. And everybody's just grabbing stuff. They throw it in the fire. And we, we're like just excited. We're, we're ecstatic about the fact that we just did this until the fire starts smoking like crazy. Like I, I'm just talking, I... If you, would have, if you wouldn't have known we were Bible college students, you would have been like, man, are they smoking over there? I mean, it was, it was bad. It was bad. Like, there was like a tiny fire and a ton of smoke. We didn't think much of it. We finally threw some more logs on there, and it got bigger, and we, we, you know, it was a good fire. The next morning, we wake up, and to our surprise, every single person, every single person's eyes are swollen shut. We just like wake up and, and it looked like I just got beat up. Like I just got hit by, like if anybody watches UFC, it looks like I just finished like five rounds and my face was just like, what? I, I got hit with the ugly stick. Like it, I, just, I just, I couldn't see nobody, everybody's face was completely swollen. And it turns out that somebody in, in a frantic hurry, in a frenzy, was grabbing like poison oak and throwing it in the fire. Uh, note to self. Don't look in there and our faces were swollen. And, and, and you know what was like even worse? It was navigating out of there the next day. Like we're like, okay, I guess it's time to go back home. Like we can't see anything. And like we, we lined up in, in whoever could, whoever was least swollen to most swollen. Like that, that's the way we lined up and we tried to navigate. And there was points like on this like, I mean, it was like a five mile journey back to our car uh, where, where we had to be like, all right, just, just go around this bend. Don't fall off this cliff because you'll probably die, right? Like, so, so people are just explaining this and I never realized something. I never realized how important vision was until I completely lost it. I didn't realize how important it was to be able to see until I could see no more. And I believe this morning on Vision Sunday, the Lord is trying to communicate a similar reality to us that seeing is absolutely important. Vision is absolutely important. You can try to navigate life without it, but when you can, when you can see what God is doing, we are most blessed. Today, I want to let you know, I want to start off by saying this, God has not stopped speaking. God continues to speak to his people. In fact, I, I, I believe that there are some individuals that think God has, has been silent, that God doesn't speak anymore, that some would even venture to say, God, God is dead. But can I say this? God is alive. He is active. He continues to speak to his people. In fact, if you are willing, I'm here to tell you that God desires to speak vision, to give sight but to give a word to you. The question is not, if it, does God still speak? The question is this, will we listen long enough to hear him? How does God still speak today? Well, the first and foremost, so this, is, this is theology 101. If you're taking notes, write this down. God still speaks through his word, the Bible. There's no way around it. Many have tried. Everyone has failed. If, if you want to hear from God and you are not rooted in the Bible, you are missing out. This is how God speaks. This is one way God speaks to his people. This is infallible. It doesn't change. It's power. In fact, the Bible says in this, first place, that no prophecy in Scripture, that no word of God, right, ever came from the prophet's own understanding. Other translations would, would say that, 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 that it hasn't come from the own prophet's mind or logic or reasoning. The Bible continues on, or from human initiative. Nobody initiated to, the, to speaking on behalf of God. The reality is this. No, these prophets, the Bible said, no, these prophets were moved by the Holy Spirit, and they spoke from God. The Bible, the Word of God, 66 different books written by various different authors. All of them did not sit down and say, hmm, this sounds good. No, they were carried along by the Holy Spirit, that we can trust this, that this is transformative. That if you ever find yourself in a place where you're like, God, what, what, what is your desire? And you try, to, you try to find that desire or that, or that, that next step apart from this, you are, you are sorely gonna be mistaken. 2 Timothy 3 says this, all scripture, everybody say all scripture. 
All scripture is breathed out by God. That word breathed out in the original Greek is the same word that they use to describe and and, and name the Holy Spirit. So the the idea is that the Holy Spirit has breathed this out. God used the Holy Spirit to breathe out this word. It says all scripture is breathed out by God and profitable, meaning it's, it's beneficial there is a, 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 uh, an outcome at the end of it. It is, is profitable for teaching, for reproof. Now, reproof is a, is a word that many of us don't have in our lexicon, but it, it's another word to, to say uh, it, it is for uh, rebuking. What, what Rebuking means literally uh, to say you're, you're wrong, right? Has anyone ever been told they're wrong? The Bible does tell us we're wrong. If you read the Bible, and it tells us when we're wrong, but here's the beautiful thing. The Bible isn't just meant to be wielded in a way that tells you're wrong, you're wrong, you're wrong. You're not supposed to beat people upside the head with this. Look what the next, the very next word, it says for correction. So if reproof is to say you're wrong, correction is defined by saying this is how to do it right. So the Bible tells us when we're wrong, but it also tells us, hey, this is a a better way. Many of you have been around pastors and preachers, and uh, maybe you were like me. You grew up, and you you heard, you're wrong, you're going to hell, this and that. Like They did a great job of reproofing, but they didn't do a great job of correcting, saying this is a a better way. And that's what Scripture does. That's the heart of God. He wants to correct, or he wants to rebuke, but he also wants to, to show and point to a better way, and that way is Jesus. He says here, Here's how to do, uh, correct for training in righteousness, that the man of God, now some people have said, does that mean that, that, that this is a sexist book, that it says just man of God? Well, Timothy, the, the recipient of that letter, was a man, so obviously Paul is going to speak to him in, the first per, or in, that, in that generative term and say the man of God, but we can say that the person of God, the individual, may be complete, equipped, right, may be equipped, complete, for every good work. So God speaks through his word. Don't be the kind of person that uses God like a magic eight ball. You know what I'm talking about? Like, have you ever had a magic eight ball where you're like, hey, does, uh, does this girl like me? And you shake it, and it says, uh, don't, don't count on it. <laughs> it's like, you're like, well, are you sure? Yep. Are, are you really sure? Maybe, yes, <laughs> right? Like, like, like sometimes people use the word of God the same way they would use a magic eight ball. They, they use it to confirm their biases already. That's not how God wants us to wield uh, his word, not, and it's not how God speaks. I, I had somebody come up to me one time and say, Pastor, I, I feel like God is calling me to move. And I, and I believe he does call us to do those kind of things. And I was like, really? Uh, how? And he's like, uh, well, you know what? I was at a coffee shop last week, and I just prayed, Lord. If, so I, I just bowed my head for a second. I said, God, if you want me to move, I'm like, all right, so far, so good. He's like, make it clear to me. And then I opened up my eyes. And the moment I opened up my eyes, I saw a billboard. And on the billboard was a plane. It said Southwest Airlines. And it said, want to get away? And I'm like, Dude, that's not how God works, right? Like, like you're, you're using him to confirm what you are already feeling. In fact, I would say more often than not, God is going to call you to do things that you don't feel comfortable about. He is going to cause you to, to do things that you are going to need to rely on his strength. He's going to speak words that, that contradict your own feelings and emotions. He's going to make you say, I trust you, lead me. In fact, I'll say this, nine times out of 10, God is gonna be calling you to do the difficult thing. He's gonna call you to, to repair that relationship, to restore the marriage. He's gonna call you to, to confess that sin or to go to that person. He's gonna, he's gonna call you to do difficult things. And, and I, I just don't want us to be people that think, well, well God is speaking, he, he doesn't want me to feel you know, hurt or frustrated, so I'm not gonna, no, listen, God speaks. He speaks through his word. Don't use him as a magic eight ball. Get in his word. Get, get, get in his word. Understand what he's talking about. The second way God speaks is this. He confirms what he says in his word through other people. God confirms his word through other people. I, I, I love this phrase, but I also have a, a, a difficulty with it. Some people say it's about my personal relationship with Jesus. Many of you, how many of you have heard that? A personal relationship with Jesus. That is important. I'm thankful that we do have a personal relationship with Jesus. But did you know this? That when he gave us scripture, there was never meant to be something we only read in isolation. We are called to be a body. 
In fact, every single time the Bible was written, it was written nine times out of 10 to groups. The only times it was written to individuals were when those individuals were leaders of a group, a church, a body. So one, one thing, if I can encourage you, is if you feel God is speaking to you through a word, if you continue a word in Scripture and you're like, man, this is, God is speaking to me, I'm not, I'm not going to say doubt that, but I'm going to say get some confirmation. Go to someone that you trust. Go to someone that you know who, who loves the Lord, who's going to allow you to be rebuked and reproved and corrected, and just say, God, uh, if, if you're speaking this to me, can, can you confirm it in others? And you know what? He does. He does. We see people fall. But in an abundance of counselors, there is safety. We need people in our lives to counsel us, to correct us. I've oftentimes said this, that, that give people in your life a, a, a license to kill. And they're like, what? No, a license to kill anything that is not of God. Get Surround yourself with people. And I'm not saying just like anybody, but people that are gonna point you to Jesus. Some of you are like, yeah, I, I surrounded myself. I got Oprah, I got Ellen, I got, like, I got the ladies on The View. Like, listen, you, surround yourself with people that are gonna point you to Jesus. Allow them to be that word of confirmation. As you are spending time in the word of God, surround yourself with people that are going to point you to Jesus. So God speaks through his word. He confirms his word through his people. But finally, God speaks through the Holy Spirit. He will give you a word. In fact, John 14, 26, Jesus tells us, we see Jesus literally say this. Uh, he's talking to his disciples saying, hey, I'm about to go, but it's good that I go because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit. Look what he says about the Holy Spirit. He says this, but the helper, the Holy Spirit, and by the way, another word for that word helper there is comforter or counselor. In Proverbs 11, we, said, we saw that he said, surround yourself with counselors. And here we see the Holy Spirit is called a counselor. Invite the Holy Spirit into your conversations. When you are in a place where you're trying to make a decision, just say, Holy Spirit, I welcome you. As I meditate on this word, Lord, Holy Spirit, come in and, and, and point out the flaws in me. Open up my eyes, but I need you. I don't want to make a decision apart from you. I want your will. I want your desire. I want, I want to, to please you. But here we see him say this in John 14, 26. But the helper, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you. I have said to remind you of the words of Jesus. He loves that. He loves coming in and reminding you of what Jesus says. But he also teaches. There are moments where, where I, I've been in conversation with someone. And, uh, you know, it, it's almost like a, a very difficult conversation. And I just go into it saying, Lord, I don't have the right words. I don't have time. Maybe you're in a place where you're like, I don't have time to write down my thoughts and I just find myself in a place where I'm gonna have to articulate as, as accurate as possible. Holy Spirit, can, can you help me in this? There's been times where I've done that and I get into that meeting and I get into that conversation and it's just like the, the, the Holy Spirit is reminding to me scriptures that I've read in the past and there's even things where he gives like uh, what I believe is, is a direct insight into a situation. The Holy Spirit reminds us of Jesus' words but he also teaches us. So can, can we just start on Vision Sunday with the firm foundation of this? He speaks. He speaks clearly. He speaks through his word. He confirms that through people. And the Holy Spirit reminds us of Jesus' words, and he's a teacher. Vision Sunday, the first thing I want to start off with is that reality that he speaks. But when he speaks, the Bible tells us this. When we attend to what he speaks, we are blessed. In Proverbs 29, 18, it says this, in the ESV, it says this, where there is no prophetic vision, the people cast off restraint, but blessed is he who keeps the law. The message would say it in this way, Eugene Peterson would write it this way, he says, if people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. If people can't see what God is doing, they stumble all over themselves. But when they attend to what he reveals, they are most blessed. I mean, no, notice the contrast there, that, if, that if, if we attend to what he is revealing, we are blessed. If we say, God, open up my eyes, allow me to see what you're doing, give me direction, give me a vision, we are blessed when we attend ourselves to what he's revealed. But if we can't see what God is doing, if we can't hear what he is saying, this, God does speak. God will speak, and today I want to tell you that God, an opportunity for spoken. 
Every single year, we start off with the Daniel fast. Now, this isn't just an opportunity for us to uh, temporarily shift our diets to lose some of the LBs that we gain during the holidays. Although that's one benefit, that's not the purpose for doing that. The reason why we do this every single year is so that we can just have time to say, Lord, speak to me. Lord, it's a new year. 2019 was great. 2020, it's a, it's a brand new decade. We find ourselves in, in a time of change, a, a new season. We find ourselves in a, in a place where, where we need your direction. Give it to us in abundance, Lord. And you know what? When we start on that foot, when we say, Jesus, I want to start not by my own desires, not by my own goals, not my, my own ambitions, not, not my resolutions, but I want to be resolved to do and say and be everything you want me to be. When we start there, God is faithful. That's why we fast. That's why we pray every start of the year. And during that time, I am personally praying, Lord, give me a direction. Clarify the vision for this church. Like, like God, I, I want to lead according to a way that pleases you. And, I, and God, you're doing a mighty work in us. Lord, Lord, we need you. You are the, the, the vine. I need to be rooted in you. Apart from you, I can do nothing. God, God, do a work in me. Help me see. And you know what I felt the Holy Spirit tell me at the beginning of the year? I felt him say this. I'm going to speak to you through my word. I feel like right now we are in a Joshua season. Everybody say Joshua. Now, Joshua, who uh, the Lord used to deliver Israel from Egypt, they were in bondage there, they were in slavery there. The Lord told Moses, Moses, I'm going to use you to set free these people, and we are, I'm going to bring you to a land that is flowing with milk and honey, a land that is yours. You are no, you're going to be slaves no longer. You will be my people. I will raise you up to be a nation. And Moses is like, yes, like he's excited about this. So they, they go on this journey, and what should have been an 11-day journey turns out to be 40 years. Uh, someone, someone lost the directions midway and they just were surrounding and, you know, Moses was like that, that dad who refuses to like, when he loses uh, cell phone service, he refuses. The Lord was trying to prepare them to become people that could inherit the, the land that he was giving them. Um, so, so the Lord had to, some people say that, that he had to get Egypt out of them. He, he delivered them out of Egypt, but now he had to get the Egypt out of them and it took 40 years for that to happen. So he takes them on this journey, but then somewhere along the line, Moses, the leader who loves Jesus, makes a horrible, horrible sin. And the Lord says, Moses, I love you. You're my servant, but I cannot permit you to enter into this land, but I will use your attendant Joshua. And Moses humbly submits to that. He trusts the Lord. And, and Moses is, you know, we see he's honored and, and lifted up in, in Israel's history. And Joshua comes in the scene. He's a young leader. Uh, he's been following Moses for some time probably dealing with some insecurities, doesn't feel like he can uh, live up to the expectations of, of Moses. And then finally, Joshua, in Joshua chapter one through five, that, th those five chapters are all about the Lord preparing him to enter into the promised land. Now, you may be asking yourself, like, like where, where was the promised land? It was west of the Jordan River, literally just, just west of the Jordan River, and we see in Joshua chapter 1, we see a couple of things. We see that, because uh, here, here's what I know. I know everybody, whenever you talk about Joshua, everyone jumps to Joshua chapter 6. What happens in Joshua chapter 6? The walls of Jericho, right? Like, like everybody loves the story of, of the walls of Jericho coming down and, uh, you know, Jericho marches and, you know, like praise him till the walls fall. Like everybody loves the story of Joshua chapter 6. I think if, if you're not too careful, you think the book of Joshua starts in Joshua chapter 6. But I felt like the Lord was telling me long before, long before the walls of Jericho could fall, the Lord had to lay a firm foundation in the people of Israel. So I felt like the Lord early this year was saying, go, go read Joshua chapter one through five. Because like, the Lord was, was speaking clearly to me, this is gonna be a year where breakthrough happens. 2020 is gonna be a year where God does, does powerful things in the lives and in the hearts of people, where, where God just does breakthrough things. But the Lord was spe clearly speaking to me, don't skimp out on building a firm foundation. Spend time in Joshua 1 through 5. And if we, today, we don't have time to go through Joshua's chapter 1 through 5, and everybody said amen, because that's man's a lot of there. But, but Joshua's chapter of the Lord. Joshua, you're my leader. Be and courageous. 
Joshua chapter two went from commitment to, to, to build upon that commitment and, and develop a strategy. The Lord sent spies to spy out the land, to see Jericho, and we see the story of Rahab, the prostitute, and just a beautiful story of God's grace and, and redemption and provision. Chapter one was commitment, chapter two was strategy, chapter three was the Lord's way of saying prepare and walk. If you have time this week, even if you don't have time, make time this week, read Joshua's chapter one through five. In Joshua three, the Lord is saying, all right, it's time now. You've been wandering through the wilderness and now it's time for you to cross over into the promises I've given you. We've, we've taken 40 years. You, you, you've had to prepare your hearts. You've had to turn from some things. You've had to learn to trust me and allow me to be the, 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 the covering by, by day and the fire by night. I mean, I, I've, I've provided manna for you every single day. Now it's time to enter into the promise. So what does the Lord do? And just about 100 feet wide and about three feet, the Jordan River. Now, the Jordan River normally is about 100 feet wide and about three feet deep. It's not, it's not that big uh, of, of a thing to worry about to, to traverse. But in the season that they found themselves at the banks of the Jordan River, it was during spring. And in springtime up north, the mountain called Mount Hermon, the snow from Mount Hermon is now beginning to melt. And every season... The Jordan River floods. I mean, it is a torrent of a river. It's about 12 feet high, and it, it first that would have been a horrible thing, but notice that it is in the most difficult season that God tells them, I'm going to lead you across that. Sometimes we walk through difficult seasons, and the Lord is saying, I'm going to allow you to navigate this in the most difficult time of your life so that you can see my power in action. You ever notice how the Lord does do would have tried to do in your timing, in your strength, but in my strength, you can do all things. So here we see him, and it's, it's a horrible season, and Joshua's probably like, hey, can we wait like six months? And Joshua's like, no, be faithful. The moment they step out, the Lord, it says that he backs up the Jordan River about a span of 20 miles, and he completely dries up the ground. And some are like reminiscing of Hey, our parents talked about this when they, when they, they left Egypt, and, and now God is doing it again. He's, he's delivering us from the wilderness, and now we're about to step into our promises. The, the, the priests go before, they stand there with, with the presence of God, the Ark of the Covenant, and over 60,000 people are just walking across this land into the promises of God. Chapter 3 is the Lord saying, prepare and walk. Prepare and walk. And when I, when I think about where we have been in the, as a church, I feel like we find ourselves at the brink of, of this very era. We're, we see Jericho. We see the promises. We see what, what God is going to lead us to do. Right? We've, we've already committed to him. We, we, we've developed strategies. In fact, that very wing back there was, was strategically built. We said, Lord, what are you doing? Who are you calling us to be? We feel like, like we've been preparing and walking. Lord, we, we've done this. We've enhanced MWC. Now we're Zaic Church. We're, we're walking through what you're leading us towards. And today, I want to title my message, Preparing to See Breakthrough. Preparing to See Breakthrough. We see in Joshua chapter 4, the first thing I want to say to you this morning is this. Honor and remember the past. The first thing God is calling us to do this Vision Sunday is to honor and remember the past. In Joshua 4, we see the Lord say this. When the whole nation had finished crossing the Jordan, everybody is over, the Lord now said to Joshua, he said, choose 12 men from among the people, one of the Jordan, at the place where you stay tonight. Verse 6 says, this is to serve as a sign among you, that in the future when your children say to you, well, what do these stones mean? Tell them that the flow of the Jordan was cut off before the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord. When it crossed the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. These stones are to be a memorial to the people of Israel together, or forever. Let me ask you this question. Who has been here since before 2015? Anyone, anyone, anyone? Who's been here before 2015? All right, really, keep, really quickly, keep your hands up before 2015. Let me ask you this question. Who was here with Pastor Lon? Okay, so I'm just gonna say, looking around here, I would say this is probably about 50% of the congregation. Who has been here since Pastor Mike? I would say this is about 30% of the congregation. Who was here before Pastor Mike? About 10%, 5%, 5 to 10%. This church has seen a lot. 
And I believe that the Lord's desire for us as we are approaching our Jericho where he's gonna show deliverance and breakthrough, his desire for us is to honor and remember the past. For the next couple of weeks, I'm, I'm proud to say that next week, uh, for the next three weeks, in fact, we will have with us some pastors who have pastored this church and we're gonna have some Q&As and, and have some conversations the same way the Lord told the children of Israel to, to as you navigate this Jordan, to, to bring with you stones to remember how God has been faithful. He is calling us in this season to remember and honor his previous faithfulness. We're gonna have Pastor Lon next week, the week after that. Pastor McCormick is in the house. He's actually, he's actually like our own resident pastor. He's with us all the time. Pastor McCormick will be having a Q&A, and then the third week, we will have Pastor Mike Clarenceau, and we're going to have opportunities just to talk about, man, what did God do in, in, in the deliverance and the stories? Because here is what I'm firmly believing. There is coming a time where we are going to look across our church, and the vast majority of people are going to know none of them, but we're going to honor the legacy that God has always had in this church. It's about him. He has done powerful things. So the first thing the Lord is saying this Vision Sunday, and maybe you're walking through this and you're currently finding yourself in a Jericho uh, or a Joshua season. You're, you're walking and you're hoping for that breakthrough. One thing that I would encourage you with this is to learn to honor and remember your past. Honor the people that came before you. Learn to be someone who is, is quick to honor. In fact, Romans 12, uh, Romans 12 tells us this. Love one another with brotherly affection outdo one another in showing honor. If there is any value that is missing out in our culture, in American culture today, it's honor. We're always quick to jump to the new and the flashy thing. But I believe that there is a principle in the kingdom, and it's this, learn to honor. Honor those that have gone before you. Honor your parents. Honor, it's, a, it's a command from the Lord. Honor your mother and father. In fact, we know that there is a portion in Scripture that Jesus' hands were tied. They were bound to do more miracles as he desired because the people did not show honor. You cannot OD on honor. We need to build a culture of honor. So I'm excited that we're going to have some pastors here. But my challenge to you is to, to truly take that to heart. It's easy to divide. It's easy to show disrespect or, or to be the kind of leader that when you get the promotion, say, guys, I'm going to do things better, right? Like, don't, don't be that guy. Be an individual or don't be that lady. Be, be someone who walks in honor and allow the Lord to lift you up. So we're going to honor uh, the next couple of weeks. It's going to be a great time. So the first thing is honor and remember the past. However, I believe that as we continue on in this Joshua picture, we see that the Lord's desire for us is to, yes, honor the past, but my second point is this, honor the past without living in it. Honor the past without living in it. How many of you know that nostalgia is a difficult thing? Uh, I'm, I'm just trapped in the 90s bulls. Like, it's, just, it's a hard thing to break, and you're like, that was the best era in basketball, and then you miss out on, like, freaks like Zion Williamson and Greek freak. Like, he's great. Like, there's just some great things happening. I don't know why I'm talking about basketball right now, but I am. Nostalgia blinds you from what God is doing in the present. So honor the past, but, but don't live in it. Where, where do we see this? Well, we see this in Joshua chapter 5, verses 10 through 12, literally the next chapter. I find it I, Funny that the Lord in the first verse, in the first chapter, is like, hey, honor the past. And now he's, he's saying, move on from the past. Look what he says here in 10 through 12. He says this, while the people of Israel were encamped at Gilgal, now they have walked over the Jordan. They are now in the promised land. They're facing Jericho where breakthrough is going to happen. And the Lord says this, they kept the Passover on the 14th day of the month, in the evening, on the plains of Jericho. This is the first time they, they kept the Passover since the first year that they have been delivered. So for over 40 years, they, they have not really upheld the, the feast of the Passover, the remembrance of when God delivered them from Egypt. They've just been wandering around, and now they are honoring what the Lord had done. They are keeping Passover. And look at what it says here. On the day after the Passover, in verse 11, on that very day, they ate the produce of the land unleavened cakes, and parched grain. Verse 12, and the manna ceased the day after they ate of the produce of the land. And there was no longer manna for the people of Israel, but they ate of the fruit of the land of Canaan that year. 
I mean, this is, this is revolutionary when you think about it. Remind yourself that for 40 years, all they knew was manna. They had a menu, a long menu, and the supernatural provision where, where God like goes bad by evening. You can't store it. Uh, you need to wake up every single day, and that is the daily bread. I mean, it was foreshadowing Jesus being our daily bread. But continue on. Manna, manna, manna. Imagine waking up one morning. You're on the other side of the Jordan. You're like, where's the manna? Right? For 40 years, we've been feasting on this. This is all we have known. Right? Like, like, like my hope is in, in the morning, I'm going to have a manna sandwich and my, manna omelet. Like, like, that's all they knew. And, and I can guarantee you, because I am a person and I know people, uh, we get stuck and trapped in, 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 in routine. And the people were like, God, where, where's manna? And the Lord's like, listen, manna was for a season. That was for a time. But now you are entering into this new terrain, this new season, a new generation. It's time now for your diets to change also. The things that I have done in the past, they will not work where you're going next. God's desire is to shift the diet. He's trying to, to help us understand that, that we can't live in the past. In fact, living in your past is another way of saying you don't trust God for your future. The manna of previous or previous methods of previous generations used in earlier seasons cannot and will not sustain you or be available to you for what God is trying to do in this new season. Do you want to know why churches plateau and eventually die off? Because people get so wrapped up in the manna of what happened in the previous seasons that they are not willing to say, God, what, what are you doing now? They get so accustomed to that, to that daily manna that they, just, they, they, they can't shift their appetite and their diet. In fact, manna becomes a bit of an idol for them. And I want to tell you that here we see in Joshua 4, the Lord is clearly saying, honor the past. Remember the legacy. And as you honor the past, don't get caught up in it. We need to keep moving forward. And I say that with complete humility and respect. But when you look at what the previous manna was. Well, what is manna? Manna is a beautiful reminder of God's blessing and provision. Oh, God, God has been so faithful. In fact, we even know that, that the people of Israel were commanded to take a, a jar and scoop up some manna and to keep it in the end that God has always been faithful and he will continue to be faithful. So we don't forget about the manna, but we just know that it's, it's not for us in this season. Now, the church has had moments in history where we've had the Lord do something in previous seasons. What was the manna of, of the past? Many of you uh, know this, but the, the, one of the most successful tools, methods that we had in the church, and many times we, I mean, we still have this to this day, uh, Sunday school. Every single person went to Sunday school in years past. If you did not go to Sunday school, you weren't getting to heaven. Like that's, that's exactly the way it was presented. Listen, I, I, I used to teach Sunday school. I attended Sunday school. I'm not saying anything wrong with Sunday school. We will still have Sunday school and a fellowship hour for that. But, but the reality is this. When we allow ourselves to see what is going to do the best job in this new generation to, to reach and disciple people, uh, we, we know that it's not the, the methods of the past. Sunday school has a place, and we will still have that. But Sunday school is not going to get the mass populace. It's just we live in a different culture. And you can either fight against that and say, give us our manna, or humbly accept, God is doing something different, and I want what he's providing now. But Sunday school, I'm going I'm to step on some toes. I love you. This isn't to hurt. Sunday night services. Sometimes it'd be a, a, a revival, right? Like where we have a, a one time a week where everybody comes in. If you've ever been to a revival, I mean, God, listen, and, and I, can I just say this? I'm a byproduct of every single one of those things. God has blessed me. But when I see the generation that we live in, we are living in the most unchurched generation in American history. We are living in the most biblically illiterate generation that there has ever been. We need to say, Lord, it's not about my manna. It's about what you're doing next. They ate from the ground in the promised land. Sunday, I want to tell you this new manna that God is bringing, these new methods of blessing to help us accomplish what he wants us to do. We are going through a, not just a rebrand. I mean, that's why we're doing it. We're trying, to, we're trying to reach another generation. 
Now, I had someone lovingly come up to me and say, Pastor, uh, and the very supportive individual, they were not complaining one bit while they said this, but they said, Pastor, Zaic Church is, it's, it's cool, but it, it doesn't appeal to, to my generation. And I lovingly put my arm around them and I said, listen, your generation will come to church if the gospel is being preached. But this next generation, they don't care for the gospel. In fact, they won't come to the church unless they know that we're trying to talk to them. And, and, and Maranatha Worship Center is a beautiful name. We will forever remember and honor the legacy. But where God is taking us is to reach this next generation. And, and we are gonna do everything in our power to do so. Because here's what I firmly know. We are gonna exist for another 100 years. We are firmly rooted in Wichita. And we are surrounded by men and women, young and old, uh, people from every generation. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. There is nobody who's offended by this because I know you, you love Jesus and you want to see the kingdom advance and you want to see the city saved for Jesus. But we are going to do everything in our power to reach this next generation. We are rebranding. In a couple of weeks, we're going to remodel the stage. And some people are like, oh, there's nothing, there's nothing spiritual about a stage. And to which I would say, I, I agree with you. But we are, we are also going to create an environment where we can reach and appeal this next generation. Can I say this, though? Those things in and of themselves will save no one. We are gonna continue to preach Jesus. We are gonna continue to preach the gospel. We are gonna continue to preach life change in Christ and in Christ alone. So what we are, we are doing as the nation of, of Israel was doing, we are moving and changing and adjusting. And, and my prayer is this, that we do so in unity. A house divided cannot stand. It cannot stand. We need every single member of the body to the value in this, but, but I trust he will. I know that because I've, I've been in those situations. Listen, I, I, I was a youth pastor and there was music that I liked. Uh, there's music that I like. Like I still love singing Shout to the Lord. Like that's, that's my jam. But, but even worship music has, has shifted and it changed, and they started acting like bringing techno into it, and I'm just like, I, I guess, right? Like, it, it, it's hard for me to, to, but you know what? Jesus is being glorified, so it's one of those things where I put my preferences aside, and I embrace what he's doing in this new season. So we, we remember, honor the past. We, we don't get lost in it, but finally, I want to wrap up with this. Always remember the team that you're on. In Joshua 5, and I close with this, if the band wants to come back up. Now, when Joshua was near Jericho, now, remember, they just navigated. They built a memorial. They, they found no more manna. They're on their, the Lord is providing in a new way. It's almost like, Lord, Lord, what are you doing now? We're trusting you. But look what happens next. When Joshua was near Jericho, the Bible says he looked up and saw a man standing in front of him with a drawn sword in his hand. Literally, the guy was ready for battle. It wasn't, the Lord already told him, you're going to Jericho. He's already declared, hey, yeah, you're, this, is, this is where I'm taking you. It's a fortified city. It's, it's a big city. It's a terrifying city. Uh, but, but you are gonna overcome this obstacle. You're gonna experience breakthrough. And I could just imagine Joshua being the good leader that he was. He was strategizing. He was drawing up plans. He was, he was so engrossed in, into, into overcoming what's gonna happen in the next couple of days that he's, he's just getting lost in his strategy, putting his military uh, directors and, and, and commanders in different places. And he's thinking, how are we gonna overcome this city? We're just a, a small nation. How are we gonna do this? And he's strategizing. And then someone shows up with a drawn sword in hand. Joshua looks up and he says, um, are, are you friend or foe? Are, are, are you for us or are, are you our enemy? Because you're big and we'd love to have you on the team. right? Like, like literally, it was one of those moments. The very next verse says this, and it, it completely... Neither, he replied. You're a warrior, and you've got a sword in your hand. You're on someone's team. Who's, whose team are you on? Are you for Jericho? Are you for us? And he said, neither. He replied, but as commander of the army of the Lord, I have come now. What was he saying? Was he saying that he was against Joshua? No. What was he saying? He's saying, Joshua, you're asking the wrong question. It's not about whose 
team am I on? The question is, whose team are you on? Are you fighting this battle? And are you fighting for breakthrough in your own strength and in your own ability? Are you trying to make things happen with your own strategy? Are you still longing for manna? Or are you on, are you on God's side? Because I'm a commander of the Lord, and I, and I go where, he's, where he goes, and I, I say what he says, and I do what he does. And, and, and the real question is this, Joshua, are you going to be following after me? You can try to go win that battle tomorrow by yourself, but Jericho is a big city, a big nation. You're not going to overcome. Or you can allow the Lord to fight this battle for you and submit yourself to him and see victory. I believe as a church and as a people, we find ourselves in this this very fragile position. We can moan and groan about the manna of the past, or we can be quick to run into the future without remembering and honoring the legacy behind us. But today, my prayer is this. We honor the past. We don't long for the manna. We understand that he's doing something new. He fights our mind. We are on the Lord's side. He fights our battles. He leads and directs us. We say what he tells us to say. We do what he tells us to do. We go where he tells us to go. And I love the response. And my, my heart is this, that our response would be the response of Joshua. It literally says this. When the, the commander of the Lord says, I'm neither... I'm, I'm commander of the army of the Lord. It says, Then Joshua fell face down to the ground in reverence and asked him, What does my Lord have for his servant? And the commander of the Lord's army replied, Take off your sandals, for the place where you are standing is holy. And Joshua did so. Can I say this? That sign of submission and surrender would be what brought and launched victory for the people of Israel. Likewise, where the Lord has positioned us this Vision Sunday is in the very same spot. We have committed ourselves to him. We have strategized in the last couple of years. We we have rebranded. We're going through some changes. But but my heart is this, that we would understand that our victory comes when we surrender and submit to him. The breakthrough that you are looking for in your life happens when you understand that I can't live in the past. I will honor the Lord and remember that he has brought me through so much, but I can't stay there. I am trusting him for my future. I won't long for the manna because I know God is doing a new thing. The manna was great when he provided that back then, but I know he is doing a new thing and I will trust him. And although I can't see it, it's to solidify those commitments by responding the same way Joshua did, where he fell before the Lord in complete surrender, in complete reverence and said, Lord, I can't do this without you. It's not about Israel getting the glory. It's about God getting the glory. It's not about Zaic Church being famous. It's about Jesus being famous. It's not about one person's talents or ability. It's about the Lord being lifted up. So here's how I want us to end. Can we just stand in this place? In our own ways, can we make this commitment? God is doing a new work, a new thing. We are going to honor the past. We're going to remember this somewhere great. The changes, the transformations that are taking place, we're going to trust him. But we're going to do everything part of worship. Amen? Can we, can we sing this together?
Jesus paid it all, all to him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain, he washed it white as snow. Lord, thank you for every single person in this house, every person who lived through various phases that this church has navigated. Lord, as we make every effort to honor the past, as we remember the legacy, as we remember that that you have set a firm foundation in this church by the leaders and the men and women who have come before us, Father, I pray that we would remember that, remember the honor, remember the legacy, but I pray that we would understand that the same way the manna was just for a season, so are the methods that we've implemented. That there will come a day, too, that the the methods that we're implementing today will become yesterday's manna. I pray that we are people that keep our eyes focused on where you are and where you're going. Lord, you have a rich legacy here, but we are praying and believing for a hundred more years don't return. We are believing that you are going to continue to do a powerful work, that we will see people set free, delivered, and restored, that we will see a city saved because we're trusting you. And we do as Joshua did. We start in the place of reverence. We say we are on your team. We are on your team. We recognize you are holy, that you are a leader that you are the director, that you are the one who is orchestrating everything, and we trust you. Move among us. Speak to us. Bless us this Vision Sunday. Bring breakthrough into our lives, into our church, into our communities, so that you and all God's people said, amen. And that wraps up today's message, but we've got more on the way, so be sure to subscribe so you won't miss a future podcast. You belong here, so we encourage you to get connected You can find us on social media or online at mwcwichita.com. That's mwcwichita.com. Thanks again for listening. I'll see you next week.